If a man is ever to find out who he is and what he's here for, he has got to take that journey for himself. He has got to get his heart back. Hey everybody, my name is Nate Whitson, and that is an excerpt from Wild at Heart, uh, one of my favorite books. And today we're going to go through um, just the beginning parts of this, the introduction, maybe chapter one of this book. But this book has been very influential in my life and really is a big part of um, starting this ministry called Get in the Fight. Years ago, I read John's book. This is uh, author's John Eldridge. If you haven't read it, highly encourage it. You can find it in my Amazon store and uh, help support this ministry just by purchasing that book there. But um, John's influence on capturing my heart and figuring out, um, again, just years ago, that there's something deep within us that God has put in our lives um, specifically as the heart of a man that has to be restored if we ever hope to live this full life that God has promised to us. So we continue to go back to this conversation that Jesus has offered us life to the fullest, and yet so many of us men, so many of us Christians just in general, are are not living that out. And, and today we want to start the conversation of understanding that if a man is ever to find out who he is and what he's here for, it starts with understanding that something has gone wrong in our hearts, and we have to recover that. So what you'll see at Get in the Fight is that I don't ever um, intend to be the kind of person to say, uh, I'm the smartest guy in the room. In fact, uh, you will probably soon discover that I'm not, and that will be easy to see. However, (laughs) however... My hope is that through uh, reading and pursuing these things myself, I just simply want to invite you on the journey that I'm in. When I ask questions or when I go through conversations like these today, um, I want to bring some of these great authors and speakers and leaders, um, pastors into your life. Because one of the things that I think is kind of sad, but it's true, is that most men don't read. Most men um, don't make time for conversations like this. And I hope that's not you. Maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, no, I'm, I'm good there. And I, I hope that's true. But for many, what I hear is I just don't have time or I don't make the time for that. And so uh, while I hope to change that, while I hope to inspire men to change that, um, one of the things that I want to do is go through great books with you. I want to go through these conversations, but uh, rather than you just reading it, I'm going to encourage that. But I also want to just give some feedback and um just share with you my thoughts or insights or my my questions, my wrestling with things like this. And the very first book that we're going to review here is John's uh, John Eldridge called Wild at Heart. Again, let me read this back to you and we'll jump right into today's conversation here. If a man is ever to find out who he is and what he's here for, he has to take that journey for himself. And really the journey he talks about here is this journey to figure out his identity. He has got to get his heart back. So let me start here by reading a a portion of this book here. Um, It just says this. We'll jump right into it. Society at large can't make up its mind about men. Having spent the last 30 years redefining masculinity into something that's more sensitive, safe, manageable, and, well, feminine, it now berates men for not being men. Boys will be boys, they sigh. As though if a man were were to truly grow up, he would forsake wilderness and wanderlust and settle down, be at home forever in Aunt Polly's parlor. Where are all the real men? 
is regular fare for talk shows and new books. You ask them to be women, I want to say. The result is a, is a gender confusion never experienced at such a level in the history of the world. By the way, this book was written... Let me look. Uh, da, da, da. 2001. Think about this. Think about how far ahead John is in talking about this. The result is a gender confusion never experienced at such a wide level in the history of the world, and how much worse uh, are we today? How can a man know, and back to the book, how can a man know he is one, a man, when his highest aim is simply minding his manners? And then, alas, there's the church. Christianity, as it currently exists, has done some terrible things to men. When all is said and done, I think most men in the church believe that God put them on the earth to be a good boy. I have to read that again because that one is underlined and hits hard. I think most men in the church believe that God put them on the earth to be a good boy. The problem with men, we are told, is that they don't know how to keep their promises, be spiritual leaders, talk to their wives, or raise their children. But if they will try real hard, they can reach the lofty summit of becoming a nice guy. That's what we hold up as models of Christian maturity. Really nice guys. We don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't swear. That's what makes us men. Now let me ask my male readers, or in my case, my male listeners, in all your boyhood dreams growing up, did you ever dream of just becoming a nice guy? Ladies, was the prince of your dreams dashing, or was he just merely nice? Really now, do I overstate my case? Walk into most churches in America and have a look around and ask yourself this question. What is a Christian man? Don't listen to what is said. Look at what you find there. There's no doubt about it. You'd have to admit that a Christian man is bored. At a recent church retreat, I was talking to a guy in his 50s, listening really, about his own journey as a man. He said, I've pretty much tried for the last 20 years to be a good man as the church defines it. Intrigued, I asked him to say what he thought that was. He paused for a long moment and said, dutiful, separated from his heart. A perfect description, I thought. Sadly, he's right on the mark. There's so much here. You know, you think about where we're at today. Society really can't make up its mind uh, about us, can it? We don't even know how to uh, define what a man or a woman is. Um, everything is about how we feel. Feelings trump truth. In fact, feelings to many people in, in uh, our society today, feelings are truth. So whatever you feel is true. So if you don't feel like a man, then maybe you're not one. Or if you do feel like a man, even though you aren't one, now you can be one, right? John calls it here, the result is a gender confusion. How can a man know he is one if his, if his highest aim is simply minding his, his manners? It's really just this, uh, it's this appeal that we talk about here at Get in the Fight to understand that there is a fight going on, that there is a battle for the heart and soul of a man. And I do want to say this because I think for some of you listening, when we start talking about feelings and heart um, and some of this, I think the pushback, at least with some uh, people I know, the pushback is like feelings are for girls, <laughs> you know, feelings are for women. They're not for me. Why are we talking about all this kind of stuff? And yet 
I think that when we really get uh, introspective and we really start to deal with um, what's happening on the inside of us, you can't help but resonate, I hope, with the idea that there's a fight against men being men. Maybe you would say that. Maybe you don't want to talk about feelings. Maybe you don't want to talk about the heart because you think that's too feminine or soft. But the reality is that God has made us with a masculine heart. Now, God is not a human, so he isn't masculine or feminine. But the masculine heart is a part of God's character and traits. As we are made in his image, men take on that image of that masculine characteristic, as, it, as women take on some of those feminine characteristics. But we were made in his image to portray him to the world, and there is a fight against that, and hopefully we can all understand that. John's point, and my point, and my belief too, is that there is an attack against that identity. That is the journey that we are, we are all on, is to figure out who we are. Why are we here? And again, think about, like, we know that question exists, but how much time have you spent wrestling with the idea of who am I and what am I here for? If we are ever to find that out, we have to go on this journey. And that journey begins with understanding how did God make us and, and what did he make me like this for? What is the purpose in manhood? What is the purpose in masculinity? John goes on to talk about things that I think are worth considering here. They're really worth us looking at in terms of the churches that we attend um, and what is happening here. Think about what he says here. Most men in the church believe that God put them on earth to be a good boy. <laughs> I mean, that sentence to me is just unbelievable. Uh, we are told in maybe not even told specifically, but we are modeled by just nice guys, right? In fact, you know, think about when you go to your church and you see different men that are there and they're in leadership positions. And this isn't knocking people in leadership. This isn't knocking nice guys, right? But the reality is what we see is this uh, very feminized portrayal of what the ideal is. We see that to be a man up front is to be a guy who's kind of soft. And again, this isn't true always. Obviously, you might be able to point to this and be like, not at my church or whatever, right? I hope that's true. But across the board and in, in, in general, what we see is a softer dude is the example. Uh, we, are, we are men that are being said, like, said of that, you know, we don't know how to act like a man, but we're also being stripped of the things that make us men, which is sometimes we're, that's not acting very nice. Sometimes that's bold and brash and in your face. Um, and again, we are just so confused. We're not really sure as men where to go, how to act or how to respond. Um, yeah, we don't smoke or drink or swear, but that's not what makes us men. And, and, yet, and yet that's kind of what we are uh, given as examples of really what we're aiming for. I like how John says, did you grow up dreaming of just being a nice guy? It's really interesting, isn't it? Like when you go back and you think about yourself as a young boy, what were those dreams? What were those things that you thought of and, and wanted to pursue? I, I remember um, one of the first houses that I lived in, I was the only boy. I have four, four sisters. I was the only son. And I remember wanting to be in the Marine Corps. And I'm not sure where it came from. My dad um, worked at General Motors, was on the fire department. And I certainly had some dreams to be on the fire department and some of those things. 
Um, but I know his dad and, and several of my uncles and family on my mom's side were military guys. And w- did it come from that or does it just come from this innate uh, desire that God puts there to want to shoot guns and throw hand grenades and do hard things? I don't know. But I remember being a boy thinking about being a Marine. And for whatever reason, I have this just vivid memory. I think there was a log, um, something in my yard. And, it, you know, I'm jumping over and hiding in, uh, pretending like I'm in Vietnam probably at that time. And I just remember that, that feeling of I wanted to be brave like that. I wanted to be strong like that. We didn't have dreams of growing up to just be passive and wimpy and um, a pushover. And yet that's so much of what the world is pushing us to be is simply to be nice. John says, what is a Christian man? He said, don't listen to what is said because, and I think this is key here, don't just listen to what we know the answer out loud should be, in other words. But he says, look at what you find here. And this is such a sad but maybe true commentary. He says, if you look around at the church today, what you see are bored Christian men. Let me just ask, like, do, do you find that to be true? Is that what you see? Think about your church service. Maybe next time you're at your church service, look around and tell me what you see. We have a pretty awesome church that I go to. I'm very fortunate. But I can tell you that a lot of men are checked out. When I look around at the church and I think about my own self, I'm not. I'm really trying not to point fingers here because much of my journey has been checked out too. Uh, I've loved the Lord since I was a kid, but do I always show up engaged? Do I come ready to hear from God? Do I come ready to serve or to give anything? Or do I just come to get or just to get out, right? To check the time timesheet and say, yeah, I went to church today. When you look at a lot of what Christian men look like and are like today, I think John is spot on. I think a lot of Christian men are really just bored. And and that's a sad commentary for sure. I want to skip ahead here just for a second and, and read this next part to you. Um, and it says this, this is the invitation. God made the masculine heart and he set it within every man. And thereby he offers him an invitation. And this is what really getting the fight is all about too. This is an invitation, an appeal to men, uh, just like you may be listening today. The invitation from God is this, come and live out what I meant for you to be. When we think about this, when I think about what getting the fight ministries is all about, we are saying that we are trying to help Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. I, Nate Whitson, am on a journey myself to fully pursuing the life that God made me to live. Who is Nate Whitson? Who are you? What are, what are you here for? What is your purpose? Why did God give you the things that he gave you? There's an invitation, if we look closely at our lives, to see that God made us for something greater. He goes on to say, um, gender doesn't... S- I'm sorry, gender simply must be at the level of the soul because God is neither man nor woman. But God doesn't make generic people. He makes something very distinct, a man or a woman. In other words, there is a masculine heart and a feminine heart, which in their own ways reflect or portray to the world God's heart. 
God meant something when he meant man. And if we are to ever find ourselves, we must find that. What has he set in the masculine heart? Instead of asking what you think you ought to do to become a better man, or if you're a female reader or listener, what do you think you ought to do to become a better woman? I want to ask you a different question. And I want you to hear this question here. What makes you come alive? What stirs your heart? The journey we face now is into a land that is foreign to most of us. We must head into country that has no clear trail. This charter for exploration takes us into our own hearts, into our deepest hearts. So the question for us today is, what makes you come alive? And I really hope that you'll pause and think through this for a second. What are the things that stir your heart the most? And why do they stir you so much? Think about this. How many men do you know? How many people do you know who feel like the things that they do on a week-to-week basis make them come alive? Do you ever hear stories like that? When you ask somebody, hey, how's things going? Do you ever hear stories of, man, I am just so alive? No, probably not. That's not what we hear. What we hear instead is what? Uh, I am bored out of my mind. I am tired beyond belief. I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I'm exhausted. Um, we don't hear stories of, I'm, I'm so alive. I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so glad I get to do what I do. It's not even close to what we hear most of the time. And again, if you're the, if you're the exception to that and you're living out your purpose, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so happy for you. In fact, I'm so glad that you're listening to this because we need you, if that's the case. Men need you in their lives to help them find out how to get closer to that. But when we look at this and we say, man, what stirs my heart? I imagine for some of you, you don't even know. I imagine for some of you, if you say, what makes me come alive? It comes with a hard, I'm not sure, answer. And I'm sure some of that has to do with the fact that we don't even know how to slow down enough to really deal with that question, let alone know how to answer that question. But let's just, let's just assume that you can go through that. And I hope that you'll take the time to really ask that question. What stirs my heart the most? What, what makes me feel most alive? What am I doing when I feel that, that sense of purpose and satisfaction? Let me ask you this. What do you think would happen in your life if you found answers to those questions about coming alive? What stirs you and makes you feel most satisfied? most purposeful, most meaningful, most joyful? What would happen if you discovered those answers? What would happen in your life if you started to live out that kind of life? Jesus calls it life to the fullest, or in some translations, life abundantly. But this is really what we're pursuing, is this offer, this invitation that God gives to us to live life where we're fully alive, where our hearts are stirred, where we aren't that bored guy sitting at church, can't wait to get out of there, totally disengaged, right? We are pursuing the life that is built around this idea that God has come for a specific purpose and has made you as a man for a specific purpose. He has given given you and I deep desires for a reason, and we have to figure out what those are. Imagine, though, what would happen in our marriages 
if we as men started to uh, live out that purpose. Imagine if we came alive. Imagine if we were the ones who um, were doing things purposefully, meaningfully, things that stirred our hearts deeply. Imagine if we lived out of that experience, what that would do in our marriages. Imagine what that would do with our children. Imagine what that would do at work. It would freak people out probably, right? They would think, what is going on with this guy, right? Imagine what it would do in your, uh, in your church or in your community if men started to come alive. It would quite literally change the world if Christian men reignited the passion to find out why God made them. And this is what John is saying at Wild at Heart is God has made us with some deep desires for deep meaning and purpose for his kingdom's sake. And we have to pursue what that is. John gives us answers to this, and I just want to share a few of these as we wrap up today's conversation. But John says that there are three things that every man needs. And number one is a battle to fight. Let me read, go back to the book here and read this portion to you. Capes and swords, camouflage, bandanas, and six shooters. These are the uniforms of boyhood. Little boys yearn to know that they are powerful, that they're dangerous, that they're someone to be reckoned with. Aggression is part of the masculine design. We are hardwired for it. If we believe that man is made in the image of God, then we would do well to remember that, quote, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Exodus 15, verse 3. Little girls do not invent games where large numbers of people die, where bloodshed is a prerequisite for having fun. Hockey, for example, was not a feminine creation, nor was boxing. A boy wants to attack something, and so does a man. Every man wants to play the hero. This is on the next page. Every man needs to know that he's powerful. Women didn't make Braveheart one of the best-selling films of the decade. Flying Tigers, The Bridge on the River Kwai, The Magnificent Seven, Shane, High Noon, Saving Private Ryan, Top Gun and Die Hard, Gladiator. The movies a man loves reveals what his heart longs for, what is set inside him from the day of his birth. I love that. Men are hardwired for aggression. We are designed to know that we are powerful, dangerous someone to be reckoned with. Think about these movies, guys. Which ones of these just resonate with you? Probably depending on when you were born, but The Bridge on the River Kwai, Magnificent Seven, Saving Private Ryan, Top Gun, Braveheart, Die Hard, Gladiator. My guess is that you probably think at least a few of those movies are pretty sweet. And and these are all like, uh, like he says, these are all movies that are best-selling films of the decade. And there's something that they trigger in us. There's something, uh, some kind of clues for us as men. Like our deep desires are to be powerful, to be brave, to be courageous, to be strong, right? And, and when we go back and we, ha- we look at the conversation we just have, that is the stuff that makes us come alive. That is the stuff, courage, bravery, doing hard things, accomplishing difficult tasks, working with a team of men to do something, set out to do something that is tough 
for us, that we don't know how it all turns out. That is the stuff of men that comes, makes us come alive. But think about your everyday life right now. How much are you involved in things like that? Where do you go to as a man to find that kind of life where you're really that alive? And yet God has made us for a battle to fight. That's what John is saying. We resonate with these things. It's the reason they become best-selling. It's the reason we watch them, that we stick our chest out a little tough. I I remember uh, Rocky was that way for me. I'm punching (laughs) my couch and pillows as I'm watching that as a young boy, and I'm like, I want to fight and be tough like that. I want to take down uh, the Russians myself. I want to shoot guns and be brave, and yet... Most of my life, I've been afraid of everything, which is a time for a different story. But there's something that we need to pause and recognize here, that we were made for a battle to fight, and yet most of us are out of that fight. That is the whole catchphrase. That is the whole reason that the ministry that we are in here called Get in the Fight Exists, is we are recognizing when we read this, that since the time we were little boys, we yearn to know that we are powerful, dangerous, someone to be reckoned with and yet we have been taken out of that fight this whole appeal this whole podcast the the conversations we have the fight club that we have where we're bringing men together is so that we can reignite this passion that we can discover together how do we do this i don't know this isn't a podcast to say like here's the one answer there isn't one answer this is a journey but we have to get on that journey and we need other men in our lives to reignite this passion for what God has made us for. We need a battle to fight. The next thing that John says that we need is an adventure. Going back to the book, he says, good men and good women will be tempted to dismiss this, meaning this conversation, as some sort of macho man pep rally. Not at all. I am simply searching as many men and hopefully women are for an authentic masculinity. He goes on to say, adventure requires something of us. It puts us to the test. Though we may fear the test, at the same time, we yearn to be tested, to discover that we have what it takes. I know for me, one of the key questions uh, that I think the devil pushes against me is, do you have what it takes? When I hear the messages in my own heart, if I'm carefully investigating these things, the messages against me, and I'm guessing these might be messages against many of you, are questions about whether or not I have what it takes to do whatever's in front of me, right? The messages that I tend to hear are, why try? You'll never be able to do this, right? I hear this all the time. I hear this messaging in my mind. Uh, when it comes to starting this ministry. Like, why are you doing this? Nobody's even listening. What is this for? Nobody cares. You don't have a following, blah, 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 right? All this stuff. Whenever we are attacked at the core of who we are or the core of who God made us, it comes with a message behind it. That we don't have what it takes is core to most men. We're concerned about whether or not we have what it takes to um, to win uh, the beauty, which we'll talk about in a second, the, the ladies. And so we pursue all kinds of things. In fact, pornography becomes such a major, major issue for most men, many men at least, because we're being attacked at the core of, do I have what it takes? And since we're not sure or we're afraid to find out 
or afraid maybe that we know we don't have what some other people do, we turn to a false thing like pornography to make us kind of feel like we have what it takes to get the ladies. Uh, for that, that yearning for love, we don't even know how to diagnose this, but this is at the core of that messaging of do I have what it takes? And when we're not sure, we turn to lesser things like that to try to fill our souls. But guess what? It never does. And we all know that. So we have identity issues that affect us in many ways. But deep inside of us, we want to know that in this adventure of life, this adventure of being a man, that we have what it takes. And so again, if you go back and listen to the episodes uh, two and three, and you look at the prayers that we are praying at Get in the Fight every day, God, help me to be a man of honor. Help me to be a man of discipline. Help me to be a man of strength and joy. These are daily prayers that we go through that really say in this journey, in this uh, battle that we're fighting, in this adventure that we're on, God, help us to be men like that. Help us to be men who have what it, who has what it takes. And, and the beautiful part for all of us is that it's not about me, it's about He. It's Him that is in me that is strong. And so Christ in me gives me the ability to have what it takes to live this life of adventure, to take on these battles, because in my own strength, I definitely do not. You definitely do not. But in Christ, we do. We can live an adventurous life with courage and bravery. We can take up our swords and wear the bandanas that as little kids we wore, hoping to someday be a man like that. And we can reignite our passion for that and get back in the fight. That's what this is about. We can, through Christ, do all of these things, including reigniting this passion for adventure in our own lives. The last thing that John mentions here is that every man needs a beauty to rescue. And so I want to go back to the book and read this last portion today. A man wants to be the hero to the beauty. Young men go off to war and they carry a photo of their sweetheart in their wallet. Men who fly combat missions will paint a beauty on their side, uh, on the side of their aircraft. The crews of the World War II B-17 bomber gave those flying fortresses names like Me and My Gal or the Memphis Belle. What would Robin Hood or King Arthur be without the woman they love? Lonely men fighting lonely battles, that's what. Indiana Jones and James Bond just wouldn't be the same without a beauty at their side. And inevitably, they must fight for her. You see, it's not just that a man needs a battle to fight. He needs someone to fight for. Every man has that desire deep within us to be the hero to the beauty. And again, I kind of touched on it a second ago when it comes to pornography. But when the devil takes us out of the fight, we start to pursue these legitimate things through illegitimate means. And so we start to think that the battle, for example, that we're fighting is to prove that we're a man. And we try to do that through conquest. We try to do that through pornography. And, and it makes us feel like maybe we are actually having what it takes to win that beauty, but it's, it's illegitimate and we know it. It never satisfies. It never is fulfilling, right? It's fool's gold all the way through. But God has placed within us this, uh, this desire as a man to be able to be the kind of man uh, who can be a man of honor and discipline and strength and joy and be the complement to this woman that God has made. 
And again, there are single men out there, and the scriptures are clear about singleness being such a beautiful and great thing. Paul encourages you that if you have that gift, that you should pursue that gift, and that is great. But for the majority of us, we have this um, innate desire to win over the beautiful ones, the women in our lives, and to be a man who um, they can respect and honor and love. And so we must restore all of the things that the devil is stealing and killing and destroying when it comes to this battle to fight, this adventure to live, and this beauty to rescue. In order, like John says, to get there, we have to get our hearts back. We have to recognize that the fight against our heart and against our mind and our soul is real, that it's raging, and that um, we have to get back to renewing and understanding that God has made us with great purpose and design. And what is that? What are the things that make us come alive? What are those deep desires? And where am I maybe pursuing them illegitimately? And how do I get back into the fight in legitimate ways? I want to close with this last piece from chapter one of Wild at Heart. And John uh, does a great job here with these what if questions. But he says, what if? What if those deep desires in our hearts are telling us the truth? What if they are revealing to us the life that we were meant to live? God gives us eyes so that we might see. He gave us ears that we might hear. He gave us wills that we might choose. And he gave us hearts that we might live. The way we handle the heart is everything. A man must know he's powerful. He must know he has what it takes. A woman must know she's beautiful. She must know that she's worth fighting for. Skipping down. For if, you, if we are going to know who we truly are as men, if you're going to find a life worth living, if you're going to love a woman deeply and not pass on your confusion to your children, you simply must get your heart back. If you're going to know who you truly are as a man, live a life worth living, not pass on the confusion to your children. You simply must get your heart back. So my question that I want to leave with you today is what makes you come alive? How is your heart doing? Are you a bored man in your Christianity? And if so, what do we do to recover some of this? What do we do to reignite that passion for the life that God made for us to live? What do we do to renew our minds and our spirits? How do we restore uh, the lives that have been hurt, demolished, broken? I mean, look at our families, guys. Look at our hearts, fellas. Look at the ways that we are distracted and completely you know, just taken out of the fight right now. Get in the fight is all about an appeal to Christian men to simply recognize something's off, right? Something has gone wrong here. And we know what it is but we don't necessarily know what to do about it. The devil has come to steal and kill and destroy, and he's doing a good job. But the Lord offers us life abundantly, life to the fullest. And he has given us clues with things like movies, for example. Uh, for example, um, things that make us go, God, I love that. Like there's something beautiful and strong about that when I see it. We need more examples of men like that in our churches. We need men to come alive in our families and, and we need each other to help spur this on. So I'm going to leave you with this question, but what makes you come alive? What stirs your heart the most? 
what movies maybe what things are you doing leave us leave us some comments either here uh, definitely go to social media we're on Instagram and Twitter mostly there uh, and just engage with us on this and if this conversation is helpful to you if it stirs something on you we're gonna this is just a we're gonna keep going you know in the next following episodes we're gonna continue this conversation but you know if this is something that resonates with you please share this um, leave a five-star review uh, comment on here and engage with us. Send it to a friend if you'd like. But we need to get back in the fight. It's time that we restore uh, these parts of our lives that we uh, know are beaten up and broken down. Uh, but God offers us help through his strength, through his son. That's the good news. Uh, you don't have to do this alone. You can't do this on your own. I can't do this on my own. Um, but we need each other to sharpen one another, to point us back to where our, our true strength comes from. And we can do that together. So leave us some comments, uh, share this with your friend, and we'll see you back here in the next episode. Go get in the fight.